This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Jason Christoph, it's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Peter. Nice to meet you in Romania. It was wonderful to meet you in Romania. It really was fun to meet different people who I hadn't connected with before. You being one of them and uh, doing that short piece together for War Room. So great to meet you and great to hear you speak um, amongst the many people that were in Romania. I think you'd, you'd sp- had you spoken to Brussels before. Yeah, I did a similar speech at the EU Parliament in Brussels, just trying to bring whatever parliamentary members who dared attend, uh, basically bring them up to speed on sort of the foundation of why a lot of people during the COVID operation, you know, they ran east looking for a sunset. They were rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. And it was all based on psychological manipulation. And uh, the MP, uh, the members of the uh, European Parliament who attended, they were very impressed with the talk. Well, um, for the viewers, um, you run an international self-sabotage coaching school where students are educated in the subjects of mind control, brainwashing, behavior modification, psychological manipulation, of which we have seen a lot in the last three and a half, four years. Um, and your speech thing was mind over medicine, um, looking at that psychological manipulation. People can find you on your website, jchristoff.com. And you also have a mailing list. Yeah, if people would like to get, I send something out three to four times a week called the Christoph Report. It educates uh, for free on these matters, very important matters. They can email me at info at jchristoff.com and just say, put me on the list and I'll make sure you get some important information. Okay, well, uh, that's in the description. People can make use of that, info at Um. Maybe you want to just touch on how you, this isn't really interesting area and it's important to understand what lies behind the information that we are being given. I think we've possibly been guilty for a long time of accepting just the the information we're given, what we're being told. Uh, Many of us are questioning uh, the media more than maybe any other time in our lives simply because of the COVID uh, control and that we have seen in the last uh, couple of years. But maybe you want to just introduce yourself and what you do before we get on to the issue of psychological manipulation. Well, I'm, I used to be a very high-end health coach. And unfortunately, I, I mean, I've got some very expensive certifications, so I was charging quite a bit. And the people that I was training, they would have a real hard time getting in shape. They were afraid to be their best selves. So I phoned the institute where I got my certification and I said, you know, these I'm charging people money. No one's getting in shape. <laughs> it's getting quite awkward. <laughs> and they seem very afraid to be their best selves. Could you help me? <laughs> what am I missing here? And they said, well, no, there's something called the subconscious mind. There's mind programs in there. This is based a a lot on group pressure. A lot of people that you're dealing with do live in a society where more people are out of shape, 
more people are addicted. And that group pressure is getting the better of them because we all want to be safe and we all want to be part of the herd. So if the herd is overweight and addicted, we feel very afraid being in the minority, uh, being in shape and not addicted. And I said, well, um, why didn't you teach me that when I was there in California? They said, well, there was a couple levels ahead, but here's some books regarding how you can mind control and brainwash your clients and trick them into getting in shape. And I said, well, is that ethical? They said, well, it's used every day regardless, and they're paying you to get in shape, so feel free to apply these techniques. There's no uh, good or bad mind control is basically the heart of the magician, they said, that determines the outcome. And they said, you're just trying to do some good. So I started to apply these mind control and brainwashing and behavior modification tactics to my high-end health clients, and they were so um, they were so successful. I quickly, I not only put myself out of business, I said, I got to bring this to a higher level. I have to start teaching more people about this. So I, I ended up coaching online for a little bit and it got so busy I couldn't handle the flow. So I opened an international sort of psychological reprogramming institute. I do have medical doctors, chiropractors, health coaches, and members of the general public. And I just show them these tactics and you can use these tactics on yourself so you can make your life better, or you can apply to entrepreneurial pursuits where you can change people's behavior and they can get what they want. They might want better relationships. They want, might want more money. Uh, they might want to get healthy. They might want to just be happier. These techniques really fit the bill regardless of what the person wants to do. And there's a lot of mind control in media channels and government channels today that is doing the opposite. So we have this whole big mass of people that are off the path, very unhappy, very depressed. They don't know why. And of course, when they get educated on these matters, because the first process of the schooling is just to say, look, this is what's going on. This is how it works. And these are the players targeting you and your family for negative mind control. And then we say, we're just going to use the same tactics and we're just going to make your life better. And they're like, okay, well, that seems easy to understand. And that allows them to go out into the field or into their lives. And now they hear it on the radio because I pointed it out to them. Now they see it in the newspaper. Now they see it in the movies, the TV shows, and even the ads between you know between the segments of the tv show they see it there they see it everywhere they're like thanks for pointing it out it's everywhere i never saw it before um maybe mention how you came to be invited to the international COVID summit international crisis summit uh, now because you had a lot of doctors a lot of individuals bringing data and information uh, a lot of the political side and um, what you brought uh, to talk about what lies behind that manipulation that was maybe a little bit niche slightly different and it dovetailed perfectly so how did you end up being at such events well a lot of the medical doctors and scientists would come with the data about say the people getting injured from the shot and that's all fine and dandy but how did so many people fall for you know or participate in the operation so this is the sort of 
background question that is nagging in everybody's mind. How was this done? And I've been invited, I don't know, three, 400 times to give explanations and interviews. And I've sort of honed the explanation to make it easy to understand. And I was invited to a lot of uh, medical Zoom conferences and a lot of scientific Zoom conferences as well, where they said, maybe you could speak to 15 minutes on this very important topic because they have all the data of the injuries and the deaths. Well, where's the explanation about how people walked in, like this voluntary euthanasia? How, how do you explain that? So I got very good at sort of doing an elevator pitch of how mind control works, not bogging people down too much in you know the academia of it all and just telling a good story and i told the story so many times to so many uh, medical groups they said look you, you got to come with us because no one else is really addressing this as effectively as you are and although you don't have all the i mean i did graduate from university but there's no masters or phd behind my name but they said you make it so easy to, to understand we have to sort of get this explanation in there because when the next psychological operation rolls out and it's sort of disguised in a different way if people don't know how this operates they'll be eating from the hand that eventually cuts their head off again and again and again. So they said this is as an important topic as any other topic. And then I got invited. Of course, I'm very happy to go. All the people that are around me and talking before and after me at these conferences are people I've researched and listened to for anywhere between two and 25 years personally. Well, tell us the, your your uh, speech at, and I um, wasn't at Brussels. I uh, I saw a few of them clips on the internet, uh, but actually in the Romanian Parliament, I sat and listened to many of them, and it was mind over medicine. And I think we are all in a different situation now than maybe we were previously, where we trusted maybe the the advice and recommendations from the medical field now many of us question that um maybe just that line what is it mind over medicine unpack that for us well when i was asked to speak i'm, I'm no fool so i knew i had to stick to the cited psychology uh you know get, getting called to the mat on anything I, none of my opinions were going to be inside such a presentation i don't walk a dangerous line like that at all so the first question in my presentation was, you know, in regards to our response to COVID, was it based on clinical virology or was it really based on behavioral psychology? And my speech was the shortest out of the 50 talks that were given over the weekend. <laughs> but the first thing I opened up with was a, you know, two minute video. There's a, something called the ASH conformity experiment. It's very simple testing how compliant humans are to group pressure, even when the group is wrong. So it was like a, it was basically an experiment. There's five people and then there was a researcher. And out of the five people, only one was the true research subject. The other four were actors. And of course, the, the researcher was sort of also another actor. He's in the white lab coat, and he would hold up a piece of paper. And on the far right-hand side, there was three lines, and they all had different lengths. 
And then on the far left side, there was one single line and it had a matching length to the group on the three. And it was really obvious. It was like kindergarten sort of uh, research. So let's say the, the line on the left matched uh, of the three answer B. Line B was the same length as the one out on the left. And the uh, actors were told to give all the wrong answers. So they said it was C. And, you know, you hear it repeated. It's C, it's C. And then the guy who's not, you know, he's really in the experiment. He's very confused. He doesn't want to. Now his psychology is getting the better of him. This natural sort of neurological impulse that all humans have to feel safe being one with the group because of four against one your safety could be in jeopardy if there was a conflict so the guy who wasn't the actor he said no it's you know it's it's this line and that was his first time around then they gave another piece of paper it repeated itself but even on the second go around the non-actor said, yeah, and he gave the wrong answer. And 50% of the people given that, given this test, they gave the wrong answer, which proves that group pressure can make people ignore reality. And it's also proven that, you know, there's a part of the brain that gets, gets into this for us, and it's counting what the herd is doing. There's a part of our brain very concerned with what the herd is doing, and it's counting the most repetitive content. What this really proves is humans aren't really interested, for most part, in the truth. They're interested in what makes them safe. And if agreeing to something you know is a lie will make you safer, you can modify and trick the human to go along with the lie. And this psychology, and that was just, say, the first portion of my presentation, but this is like one facet of the documented psychology that was weaponized against the public during COVID. And what, we were, what happened is we were sent home uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. We're going home on purpose. This is all part of the psychological manipulation because there was another uh, psychologist, you know, psychological research, the researcher that also cited that if you're going to train a human and really control the repetitive content of their environment, you don't want them around any other person to give them a counter narrative. So we were sent home purposely. This was the research of another psychological manipulation expert. His name's Dr. Yost Merlu. He said, send them home in isolation so you can train them so you don't have a counter narrative. Other research pointed to the fact that most people watch the TV when they're at home. And then you have Facebook and YouTube and all the social media platforms censoring counter information, any sort of counter argument. So what was happening is when the person was sitting at home, they're getting all this repetitive content, which is picked up subconsciously by this part of the brain, which is always literally asking, what tribe am I in? Uh, you know, what group am I in? What do I have to do here to fit in? And this part of the mind 
also is proven doesn't know the difference between real life, screen time, and imagined thought. So when you are at home and you're listening to ABC and CNN and Sky News and the BBC News, the British Brainwashing Corporation, um, you're getting the repetitive content that they know will tabulate in the subconscious mind, get identified as the behavior of the group, and then this sub, you know, this safety mechanism that we have to home in on that and mimic that for our as our own so that we're safer, this is all automatic. It takes care of the rest. And this is why you had everybody come out after two weeks, you know, back to work. Everybody's talking the same language. Everybody knows what the script is. It's almost like they got downloaded the script that they were going to act out personally over the next two years regarding masking and distancing and what the real solution was. And there's only one solution. And the thing about this part of the brain, Peter, is that not only will it identify the, the group through the repetitive content and kind of say, that's my gang, that's where I'm safer, there's something more dangerous about this sort of neurological protection mechanism. As soon as it identifies the bigger group as where you're going to find protection, it kind of sort of fluffs itself up and it wants to attack others that aren't in the group to sort of say, I'm loyal to you. Make sure you protect me. And the loyalty is shown by attacking people that aren't with that group. And that's why people that were psychologically manipulated with the repetitive content out of the Mockingbird media, you know, they're parodying all the same thing. Not only were they starting to get sort of having a Stockholm syndrome, sort of a passionate love affair with the repetitive content, their secondary neurology is about showing loyalty to that group. And there's no better way to show loyalty in real time than to mock or even attack the smaller herd. So this was the, the uh, weaponization of psychology. And I mentioned sort of the stock, I don't know if I mentioned the Stockholm syndrome, but this is where people can fall in love with an aggressor, uh, someone who's a bully, because mind control is just based on weakness. And the government was being this very powerful, very intrusive, very aggressive bully. And there's another psychological researcher called Nils Bergerot. And he's the one who claimed, uh, coined Stockholm Syndrome. And Stockholm Syndrome was about a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden, where bank robbers held tellers against their will for five days. And because of the fear of the bullies, of the people that can control life and death, some of the tellers fell in love and got romantically involved with the bank robbers to try and protect themselves. It's a natural genetic response. So when the government bullied up and started getting very aggressive, and of course, uh, psychological manipulation researchers would have told every government official, use harsher language, be more aggressive. Tell them, stay home. Like Joe Biden, our patience is wearing very thin. 
for the unvaccinated. This is all scripted psychological manipulation and triggering so many different facets of psychological research to bend the public in a very particular direction, which was get the junk under the skin. I mean, some of the, we saw in the UK, uh, you obviously had a bad in Canada. No. Uh, we had a bad in the UK. You could argue who had it, who had it worse. Um, but we had a, a kind of lovable character in Boris Johnson, which actually added to that. We had the, the nudge unit as well in number 10 Downing Street um, that was specifically set up to, to move people forward. And um, it kind of fits into what you say. One of the lines was, uh, you do, don't kill your granny, that you don't want to hug your family because you would kill them. And who wants to kill their loved ones? And therefore, so it fear was certainly, I guess, a large part of what went in, not only with the daily death numbers, but if you hug your granny, she will die. Um, and that seemed to be a line that was used not only in the UK, but across the world. Absolutely. The thing about fear, um, and a lot of humans don't really care about themselves. <laughs> That's another thing. But they care about other people. So you can really, you know, so you can take the lads down at the pub. They're like, I'm going to the pub if I have die down there, I die down there. But if you tell them, look, if you go to the pub and drink with Jim, you could kill Jim and Jim could kill you, you're going to get a completely different psychological response altogether. Because they're like, I don't want to be, re I'll be responsible for my own death. But I don't want to be responsible for someone else's death. So you can really see the psychological manipulation just in this full gallop. And fear, of course, uh, all the logical and rational analysis capability of the human mind is behind the forehead and what's called the prefrontal cortex or the frontal lobe. Now, fear has been proven to shut that down. So they're going to use as much fear as possible to drive all electrical conductivity and even blood flow out of the prefrontal cortex. And when you're afraid, all the electrical conductivity and the blood flow it, it transports to a very primitive part of the brain that you do not want on living in this society. It's called the limbic system or the fight or flight system. It has a notoriously low IQ. It has no ability to judge long-term consequences of its actions. And it's always in its childlike state, it is always looking for an authority figure to remove the fear because that's the only way you get back there is through fear. So there's always this childlike tendency to say, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Like, I just can't stand to be in this fear state. And so when you're ruling or farming human cattle, you go to war with the prefrontal cortex. And there's many ways to shut it down. And there's many ways to inhibit it. Fear is one of them. And of course, chemical or poisons is another way to trigger the shutting down of the prefrontal cortex. This is why the bottle shops were open in Canada, the weed shops. Canada now sells fentanyl, heroin, and cocaine openly to their uh, citizens in British Columbia, which is a Western province. And so there's, there's always been an attack on the prefrontal cortex or frontal lobe through these poisons Every poison we see in our society today from Teflon to microwave uh, food and everything. And 
I'll be honest with you, and people will not like to hear this, Peter, I realize this, but the most effective psychoactive drug ever found to shut down the prefrontal cortex is caffeine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've dropped that in. I love that. Yeah, people are like, there's no way, because in and you'll see it's also very addictive. And alcohol used to be the favorite uh, sort of mind control activator uh, with these people. And, you know, they couldn't get the work the work potential out of the slave class when they were drunk and they they invented they came across coffee in arabia during the crusades at about 1680 quickly brought it back to the uk royals and said you know you think your tea is good you got to see this stuff you know people are losing their minds you can control them forever and they'll do twice as much work ripped up on the caffeine the uk royals were very interested in that psychoactive drug um, I want to pick up something that comes out from what you're talking about, and it's uh, maybe cultures uh, that honor obedience to authority. And I think um, Europe and North America have prided themselves on individual thinking. Uh, we maybe look to Asia or Latin America, uh, individuals that follow authority, uh, authoritarian figures or follow figures and and follow on the mass and much less the individual um but what we've seen the last three three and a half years uh really calls that into question because there was little individual thinking and everyone just accepted i mean me speak into that idea of, of culture that that honors that obedience to authority well, what you'll un it's easy to understand mind control is based on some kind of weakness. Even if I said to you, Peter, you got to take this shot or you don't have your job. Well, if you had $2 million in the bank, it's not, you know, there's uh, the power differential isn't that great, is it? But if you live check to check, you're financially weak. So this is, if someone says, well, is that mind control? And I say, yeah, that's mind control. They're controlling your decision through a form of weakness. If you notice the Asian cultures or even the Mexican cultures generally, I mean, I'm, I live in Mexico half the year, and the Asian culture, they're smaller statured people. And so there's physical weakness uh, formulas that come into play. There's uh, physical weakness mental weakness, intellectual weakness. And this is also why, and this is, this is an important topic to talk about, is that if you even go to a stage hypnosis show, which is great for learning about mind control, you'll notice that in most cases, not all, but in most cases, the people being put under the hypnosis or what's called transfer induction, they're sitting down and the you know hypnosis expert is above them even behind them, kind of tapping on their shoulders and putting the suggestions into them. The body is extremely intelligent and knows that if you are sitting and someone's above you, you are weaker if they're standing. And if they're behind you, you're even more vulnerable. So in regards to societies that are more compliant or people that bend more to group pressure, you would have to factor in overall weakness 
not just sort of the physical stature of the societies that honor obedience, but you will notice that the societies like the Asian cultures that honor obedience instead of rebellion, they would, it's because these people of our smaller stature don't feel as physically capable of going to battle with a group that they might disagree with. As uh, Europeans, and, and I live in Europe uh, sort of half the other year, being Canadian myself, being over in North American, I would tell you we're, especially for Europeans, they're a lot larger stature. And it has a, it's been shown that people of larger and stronger physical strength can actually push away and deny group pressure to a higher extent. Um, tell us the question that a lot of people will ask is why do we conform? And you've you've touched on some of them, but I think people want to take control. They want to actually do what they want to do and, and not fit in the herd. And um, there's a whole range of whether you're maybe introvert or extrovert or um, how you fit in. But people like to think they are uh, think their own things free thinkers they do what yeah. they want to do yeah. um and how do you answer that it's a simple question with a co very complex answer i get that but why 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 do we conform when individuals think i i don't necessarily want to and yet i conform and certainly looking at the last three and a half years of tyranny um how do you begin to unpack that question well the whether this uh, research is done uh, in different ways or by different researchers, they do find, and they can't really put their finger on it exactly, but there's 30% of the population who will conform to the group no matter what. And then there's 40% that sort of looks around and says, or what is, what's that other 30% doing? And they're, they'll just sort of, they know it's wrong, but they still go along. And then there's 30% to actually will have no part of it. And generally I tell people, look, there's usually in the 30% that will not comply with their own destruction. It's usually because they've had a real painful childhood, a real painful incident during their childhood where it was so painful they absolutely refuse to go back to that pain voluntarily and they see uh, truth from lies and they know lies bring pain. And so they're like, if pain comes to me and it's outside my control, so be it. But that person went through so much pain. They're so adverse to it. They're like, I'm not going to participate in it just to make Jim, Joan and Frank down at the pub happy you know joe and jane coffee shop will smile at me and be a greater friend to me if i comply with my own destruction i say no to that proposal and that's usually because in psychology you need pain to actually mature and individuate from child to adult and individuation just means you can see yourself operating separately than the tribe. You can hold your own. And so somewhere along the line in that person's history, they experienced an extremely painful event. 
They did the very painful rite of passage from child to adult. They've individuated, so they are an individual. They're not, you know, they're not on their parents' apron strings. They're not bound by social constructs that make no sense. And they're certainly not going to comply to group pressure that makes no sense. Like for me, uh, I've had a very painful childhood. And I just knew that the person who takes the most medicine out of, and there is no exceptions to this, the person who goes to the doctor the most is the most sick. The person who takes the vac most vaccines is the most sick. And the person who takes none of that is the most healthy. And although there was a, a parade every day down to the, you know, to the, the priests in the white butcher coats, for their for the medicine that never made anybody healthy and although i was cat called and marginalized for not following along with the parade i said you go ahead <laughs> i'm staying here because i under no circumstances want to experience the type of pain i've experienced in my life by my own hand if it comes to my door and someone holds my hand behind my back and does it well then that's a different story. But I'm not participating in my own euthanasia. And that's because I've, I've done pain and I don't want, I want to minimize it in my life, regardless of who likes me or who doesn't like me for doing so. How does self-worth fit into it? Because um, I think we are often concerned of what others may think uh, more than we are about ourselves. There is that identity and how others view us. Um, is, is some of this or a large part of this uh, boiled down to self-worth and how we see ourselves? Absolutely. This group we're dealing with that put on the whole COVID show, they're not a new group. They're a very old group. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so there's psychological weakness. This is the most dangerous weakness because you can't see it. You could be healthy looking like me. And if I had low self-esteem, you're not going to really see it. But if I have low self-esteem, there's an internal weakness that my metabolism recognizes and tabulates and documents and says Jason's weak. And so he's not going to be able to put up a fight when it comes to the group. And this psychological weakness, this shame or guilt, these are the lowest vibrations ever proven to come out of the human body. If someone's feeling guilty about something, if someone's feeling shameful. I mean, one of this group's favorite tricks is, and when I say this, I believe wholeheartedly in the foundations of the original religions, morality, ethics, you know, justice. I believe that. And protection of the children, protection of the vulnerable. I believe that wholeheartedly. But when I hear a phrase like born a sinner, and I know that psychological attack, anything that weakens you, is going to leave you open over time to more psychological manipulations. And even the biology, they'll say, look, you know, you don't really have a reason to be here. You're just random happenstance flying on a rock through space with no mission or no goals or no, you know, no reason to be here. Someone just, you can just see them, Peter, they start sinking into their chair, right? Born a sinner, biologically, you know, even the medical system, they're like, these are your genes. You're also faulty. And this is, this group is known, right? You're born faulty, born a sinner, 
you know, sort of the biology, your, your random happenstance. I call this, you know, the triangular crossfire. Then the medical system comes in and says, can't be healthy. The best we can do with your faulty genes, because you're faulty, is that you take these poisons for the rest of your shortened life. That's the best you can do. So all of these attacks add up over time to get the, the human cattle between the crosshairs psychologically and make them so malleable to the psychological manipulation. There's so many facets of the attack. They're all based on weakness. And then self-worth, I guess, fear also fits into that. Um, fear of the unknown, self-worth is fear of what uh, people may think. But uh, I have been blown away by how fear has been the the major driver, I guess, to what we've seen uh, over the last three and a half years. Um, not only a fear of not conforming, but a fear of the information you're giving. Everyone has lived in a state of fear more than uh, probably what we've witnessed before for generations. Um, tell us how kind of that fits into uh, pushiness to do something we wouldn't necessarily want to do. Well, yeah, it's fear on top of fear. And these reactions uh, were highlighted, obviously, in my talk, and you obviously witnessed them in 2020 forward. But this fear response, you only have one as a human being. And this is why, say, prior to 2020, they're going to get you afraid all the time. So that is just sort of natural, so that you, you feel uncomfortable when you're not in fear. And this is why all your Netflix, I mean, all people are doing is watching actors kill, stab, and murder each other on TV. This is now the entertainment. The reason it's on the screen, again, it's this old group. Thing. This, is, this is all done on purpose. All your Netflix productions are all fear-based to sort of prime the psychological system to almost permanently throw a switch in that direction. And then the average person doesn't know is that you have one fear reaction. Like if you're getting mugged, everybody knows the fight or flight phrase. If you're getting mugged or getting chased by a dog, a wild dog, you're going to get the fight or flight going. And this has all these negative repercussions in, inside your psychology. But if you consume poisons, and ca caffeine, again, and coffee is one of their favorite poisons. You don't have to watch John Wick 1 through 4 or Equalizer 1 through 3 on Netflix. I can just give you a coffee, and I can scan your brain, and you're going to have the same negative neurological results as watching the horror movies or the killing. So the average person doesn't understand that when they don't get enough sleep, they go into the fear response. If they watch... If they think they're going to kill their granny, they're going, to get, they're going to be in a fear response. It's like the people who rule you never want you to break out of it because you can break out of it if you have a good sleep and you have some peaceful time. And then if you have some peaceful time, that, oh, that, that darn prefrontal cortex, the, prefront, uh, the frontal lobe turns back on, and then you'll be able to see your, you know, the tyrants. So for them, it's, it's as much an attack on the frontal lobe as it is on any other facet of this attack is they got to make sure to prime your, your neurological system all the time with either visual fear that you're taking in through the eyes, 
auditory fear that you're taking in through the ears or chemical fear. And this is why sometimes you'd be in the middle of the night during COVID, at least I was, and there'd be an amber alert. And I know, like, I'm like, this is completely, this is scripted. And then there was a test of the code, the emergency response system. And then everybody in my house, I was sleeping, other people were sleeping, and we all hear the phones. And it's at two o'clock in the morning or 11 at 11 at night when we're all sleeping. They're always trying to keep us in fear. It's all scripted. And the average person has no idea that this is how scripted the world is. Even the word government. Govern is French for to control. And ment, M-E-N-T, is from the Latin mentis, M-E-N-T-I-S, which means mind. The word government literally means mind control. And the only reason that 8 billion people can be ruled by 10,000 mental defectives is through the, the act of mind control, which is controlling the repetitive content and then poisoning people to upregulate the content. It's been proven that 30% of the people will comply with the repetitive content group pressure. If they're natural, healthy humans, if I can poison you, I can get upwards of 60. Um, let me finish off on the huge topic. And I just wanted to pick up on some of these issues to leave the viewers and listeners um, with some information. And of course, they can go to your website. They can find him where they can get that email uh, info at jchristoff.com for more of that. But one article which really hit me and we'll just be able to touch on it was top five signs you're self-sabotaging. Um, and in that you talk about that we're naturally hardwired to be afraid of success and then about the government and media purposely know how to use that fear. And one of the, the signs you mentioned is, is caffeine, which you've obviously spoken about. Also about finances, health and happiness. Maybe end that because people will be scratching their heads and thinking, I I want to have the success, but I seem to be the one blocking it. Um, just maybe finish on that. And of course, people can find that full article on the website. Yeah, well, basically, it's a pretty short article. And it's, it basically goes over the finances, the happiness factors, and uh, the wealth, the abundance, the satisfaction. And you, as we age, we're supposed to remember the lessons of the past pains and failures. So with the past pain and failures, the experience, we're supposed to be able to make better decisions over time. So as we age, we should have more experience and be more masterful of life. So if you're mastering life in this way, we don't, it's only logical to think that you're going to be better at life the longer you, you're here, get, you know, with all these challenges. So if someone's getting less happy, more unhealthy, and more broke, it means the programs that your subconscious, you know, basically the repetitive content that you are mimicking and emulating and mirroring from either your TV shows, your movies, or from the greater cultural tribe, which is your friends and family, the programs you're downloading and mimicking aren't good. And that's what's holding you back, uh, 
in the self-sabotage. Don't forget, this is a group-based thing as well. You got uh, only 20% of the population is healthy, pretty small tribe. Only about 5% or 10% are wealthy. It's even a smaller tribe. So naturally, we're afraid to go into the smaller group. So there are ways to get over this. I teach it. I can help people for free. They can just sort of get on my email list. They can email me at info at and I'll slow drip them the information over time. And if they want to participate in some of my programs, they're always there. But until that time, just get the information for free so that you can understand your own psychology. If you don't understand why you do what you do, you're going to fall for the everything that the government and media are giving us is negative repetition on purpose so that we never get our footing on success mountain. Because you don't want to deal with successful people when you're doing a tyrannical takeover. You don't want to deal with healthy people. You don't want to deal with rich people because they don't bend. They're, they're not easy to mind control. So I teach all this inside uh, for free inside my email list and people can get on that and I can help them find a, a better way to exist. Jason, I really appreciate you coming along. It's a, a massive subject and I thank you for coming along and unpacking some of that. And obviously the, the website is there and the email info at Thank you so much for your time today, Jason. Thank you, Peter. Always a pleasure. Thank you for doing what you're doing. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.